0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Craft Hot Sauce podcast where today we're interviewing Greg Foster from Inferno Farms. Last time when I was doing the intro, I sounded like I was falling asleep because I just woke up and boom, we got Greg today. Bringing the energy. Also happens to be the Guinness Book of World Record champion for most Carolina Reaper eaten in one minute so we'll get into the mindset behind that how he broke his uh, broke the record and a lot more from his culinary experience to cranking out amazing Kraft hot sauces today and for the music guest today we have the Electrics taking us in with Elevator Blues let's go
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brian.
0: Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. So I want to start off just because I know, I mean, you, you have, uh, we're going to go into this in the, in the, later in the podcast, but you have some spicy records. Um, but what I learned is that you were into heat from the very beginning when you were growing up. So I'm curious, like, what are what are your, some of your kind of earliest memories with, with spicy mm-hmm. foods? And uh, actually curious where, where
1: you grew up. Um, well, I grew up uh back in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and a little bit in central Ohio. We kind of moved around a lot uh as I was a kid. It seemed like every six to eight years we would move to another state. Um, but yeah, man, I've always been uh, a spicy guy. I mean, some of my earliest memories of going out um to dinner with my family was always um uh, you know, going to Chinese food and getting the kung pao chicken, and and seeing those little chilies in the dish, and you know, my dad like, oh, I don't know, those are really spicy, and my brother's like, oh, I dare you to eat one, and you know, it was always kind of an antagonism for my older brother um, to try something more extreme, and I was, I ended up being that kid that would pick out the chilies from the dish and eat those before I ate anything else, you know, and then it just kind of grew into. Uh, more and more uh, challenging, you know, cuisine. Going to Thai food and and Vietnamese, and always saying, you know, and even at the Mexican restaurants, asking for the secret stash of, of salsa for the chips they'd bring out. You know, make it hotter than than the cooks would make it for their families. You know, <laughs> and 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 I challenge you to make me something that I can't eat. And, you know, I mean, it goes even back even further. When I was a kid in in daycare, um, it was like a weird hippie cooperative daycare and they would make us lunch and it would be, you know, hippie food like tofu and buckwheat pasta and all these all natural things, you know, grown up in the the early 70s. Uh, But I remember, you know, I would always be the kid that would grab the head of garlic and start eating you know, whole cloves of garlic, as many as I could before the, the, you know, the adults would basically tell me to stop because my breath stank so bad. <laughs> um, but it was that kind of intensity of flavor that <clears throat> really, that really drove me even from that young of an age. And my brother and I still, you know, people can't believe it. And, you know, he and I were, we kind of partners in crime back then of just eating crazy stuff. And it goes all the way through, you know, to adulthood. My brother is still, you know, kind of eggs me on to, 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 to get spicier and spicier. And, is it is it, and it
0: fair to assume that you're the younger brother?
1: I am. Yeah. He's okay. three years older than I am. And, you know, I'm, he's I'm the
0: older brother by three years. So I, I, I know <laughs> that role that your, your brother was playing. <laughs> you
1: know, and to add another, you know, iron to the fire, we're both preacher's kids. My dad was a, a minister. And so we kind of towed that line, um, you know, walking the knife's edge between being mischievous and, and, and devilish and being angelic and sweet. And, uh, Uh my brother ended up more on the angelic and sweet side. And I ended up being the more mischievous and, and, and devilish side. And, you know, being a kid of, uh, you know, a kid of the cloth, as they say, all my cheekiness and, and antics were always, I tried to be as harmless as possible, but I was definitely the one that had that snide smile and and the the gears turning in the head of you know what kind of pranks I could pull and, and things like that. And my brother kind of would be seen as the saintly one, and I would you know so he would egg on his devilish ideas. He would just yep. be suggesting them to me all the time, and I'd just kind of blindly go, "Okay,
0: sure, no problem." So <laughs> so, so it sounds like it sounds like from from day or. Day nine hundred as a person on Earth, you you were continuing to search uh, for that flavor that I feel like a lot of people grow into eventually. Um, And and you actually ended up going into the culinary space. Um, Was that pretty clear to you from from a younger age?
1: No, not really. You know, I mean, I did. It's kind of funny because I did grow up basically hanging from my mom's apron strings. I was always in the kitchen with her, always asking questions and. And wanting to know how to cook. And I always kind of dabbled with it at home, never really ever thinking of, you know, going anywhere further than that. And it was, you know, back then before that sort of culinary world was open to younger kids like it is now. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I ended up in the restaurant business because I was just kind of looking for a summer job between, you know, years in school. And I ended up getting a job as Uh, a prep cook and you know started off by you know started my days off by peeling you know like 50 60 pounds of shrimp and you know going into you know prepping veggies I was a prep cook and then as the years passed and I kept going back for it you know I kind of took an affinity to it and as I got into the cooking role and and really learning you know how a kitchen works and how recipes kind of work together and flavor profiles is when i really started getting kind of into it um but then there was one summer it was just so flipping hot in the kitchen i was done and and i moved up front and took a huge pay cut and responsibility cut and started bussing tables and worked my way up and and got into fine dining and you know into wine and and working with uh you know my my love was always in the kitchen but i made more money out front Yep. And, and, but my heart was, was with the chef and I always wanted to, I was always super inquisitive about the menus, about why they would choose certain proteins with certain sauces and certain vegetables and different flavors and how can I do this? And, you know, and I had a few chefs, um, that were very open and, and willing to show and teach me, you know, very refined technique and, and how to discern flavors and, and what to look for. And then as I got into more high end wine training, it was really more now the, the, the subtleties of flavors, mm. you know, pulling out the differentiation between a raisin and a currant. you know, and I mean, I could go on and on about you know, sommelier <laughs> testing and stuff, but, that's where I really kind of honed my skill as far as um, knowledge of flavor. And I was always, always hunting for the next kind of, you know, that moment where you take a bite of something and your eyes roll back in your head and you're just like, Oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever tasted or it was just so everything worked together. And, and uh, you know, I'm still in search of those moments because I think that's truly what, what, the joy of food stems from is is yeah. those moments of just utter, you know, abandon and all you can really think about is how good something tastes.
0: And and I, I totally agree with you. And and I think I have, I have a lot more to learn. But um, I, I just love the the moments. I've done like a couple community cooking classes where I'm I I didn't know anything about Mediterranean cooking and and just the way and just learning about some of the techniques and the strategies. And, and I, like I, I, at the end you eat it all and you're like, Oh my God, I just can't believe that. But I don't know. Uh, it seems like you kind of had a lot of that throughout different phases in, in, uh, in your life, but I'm curious if there are any particular mentors that kind of come to mind in the kitchen and, and maybe some of the um, advice or the, the things that they had you doing that kind of advanced to your ability to, to, taste flavors and also think about creating them, what it was kind of, I, I guess we'll, we'll talk eventually how it went into your hot sauces, but I don't know if anyone comes to mind or, or any tips or strategies that they shared.
1: Oh, sure, yeah, there. I can think of one person in particular in, you know, I was talking about being in fine dining and, and really going back to the kitchen, this one chef, his name is Chef Aaron, um, it was at this restaurant uh, back on Nantucket called DeMarco restaurant, this sort of fine dining, Northern Italian joint. Uh, And it was by far my favorite place I've ever worked at. You know, I mean, I was in college, it was a bunch of college kids. We were all there seasonally. We were all having a bunch of fun. We were in, you know, it was a great environment, great customers, great food. And, Aaron was the guy that was always like, if you have a question, I'd rather you ask it than go to a table and not be able to answer it. You know, I want, you know, he would always bring out a couple plates of the special that evening and have everybody taste it and and get really deep into what it was and why it's on the menu and why we're making it and this and that. And I mean, he was one of those guys that no matter how busy he was in the kitchen, he would let me stand there. You know, on on the service side, and and just watch what he was doing, and allow me to ask questions, as long as the questions, you know, were pertaining to something that he was doing. It wasn't distracting. And you know, I'm like, why are you putting butter in the pan now? Why? How does that sauce really play with this? And he's like, well, you know, you know, and he'd kind of walk me through it. And at the end of the night, it was funny because one of the cooks, uh, lived upstairs in the attic of the restaurant and, uh, uh, you know, late nights after hitting the bar after service, we'd come back and we probably shouldn't say it out loud, but we'd We'd open the kitchen and kind of start playing around and, you know, we, we would make some of the menu items just for fun and because they were really good and, you know, and, and it was one of those things where, um, that allowed me, Aaron allowed me to really be inquisitive and really to, to have that, that, that mind of, of, and he was really open and that was really important. I've worked with a lot of chefs that were um, very, you know, egomaniacal. They didn't want to tell you anything. If you didn't know, they weren't going to tell you, or if they told you they did it with an attitude and, you know, it was just very, um, conflictory between the front of the house, the service staff and the back of the house, the kitchen staff. And and it was almost like it was a battle between the two. And in those situations, you can understand why a lot of people hate working in in restaurants. And, you know, I always found myself even as front of house management to spend more time in the kitchen, uh, looking at the food and making sure the food looked and tasted just right before sending it out to the customers. Yep. You know, that was always, uh, you know, an inspiration to me because, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, uh, as a restaurateur, you're there to service the customer, but they're there for food, you know, and, and the service is only one part of it, but the food is really the show. And if the show isn't attractive, nobody's going to come back and, and see it again. And, uh, you know, so Aaron, Chef Aaron was probably my biggest influence uh, in in the culinary side. Um, and then, of course, when it comes to the spicy side, I mean, there's nobody out there other than Ed Curry that that was has been uh, my mentor and awesome. and friend and brother, and one of the most generous people I've ever met who, yes. you know, saw my affinity for heat and ability to take the punishment that he inflicts on people and ask for more. And you know, it, it just kinda, you know, from right from the beginning it felt like, you know, and I truly believe that God put the two of us together in a way to, you know, enrich both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And can, he you, is can certainly... you tell me about
0: when you first met Ed? What was that like?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh I was still in my sort of discovery phase in hot sauce. I've been growing peppers for a while. I had been making sauce for a few years and I was kind of getting, you know, on that precipice of do I continue this as a hobby or do I go professional? You know, do I and make and about a company out of- this? I'm sorry. About what year was this? Oh goodness. What was it? 20- I think it was uh 2014 maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, about 2014, maybe 2013. And, um, so I had started doing some research online and I found the National Fiery Food Show in, in, in Albuquerque, the big, you know, hot sauce show out there. And I made plans to go out there, and my dad came along with me just for fun, good road trip. And we drove out from California. And um, you know, I'd been doing my research. I'd been looking up a lot of the different companies and kind of learning what their flavors were like and how they were, you know, out there in the market and, and, you know, just doing more market research. So I go out to Albuquerque and my dad and I um, showed up, I think it was like, I want to say Friday night or something like that. And we got there kind of late. It was like eight o'clock or so. And, you know, we check in the hotel at the casino and, and we come downstairs. And we need something to eat. So we go up to the restaurant and we put our name on the wait list and they hand us the little buzzer. And so we start heading towards the casino and I look over and I see Ed and his entourage over there. And I'm like, Dad, 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 look who it is. He goes, who is it? I go, it's Ed Curry. He goes, who the hell is Ed Curry? (laughs) I'm like, well, he's, you know, he's the guy who invented the Carolina Reaper. He goes, oh, that's cool. He goes, well, why don't you go over there and, and introduce yourself? I was like, oh no, no, no. I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to fanboy out on him. And uh, he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So we we didn't really think much of it. And uh we're walking through the casino. And I was like kind of kicking myself. And I was like, man, I really should have just just done it. I should have just introduced myself. And I was like, I told my dad, I was like, well, if he's still there, uh, I'll go up to him and and say hi. And uh so we're, we're coming out of the casino. We, our buzzer hasn't gone off yet for the restaurant and I walk up to Ed and I'm like, Hey Ed, um, I just want to come over and introduce myself and, you know, say, Hey, and I really wanted to meet you. It's really cool. What you're, you know, I kind of gave him the rundown. I kind of fanboyed out and, (laughs) (laughs) and he's like, Oh brother, it's so good to meet you. He shook my hand and you know, um, and I said to him I I was like look man uh I've served you know heads of state I've I've met rock stars I've hung out with movie stars and all these famous people and never once have I had butterflies like I am wow. standing here talking to you I I'm just like giddy as a schoolgirl <laughs> you know and and he's like he looked at me and he kind of laughs he goes are you serious I go yeah man this is this is like a dream come true he's like he looks at me he goes I'm just a farmer I go I know but you're like totally cool this is awesome I'm so st- <laughs> so I got that off my chest and you know we kept talking and he introduced me to some of the guys he was hanging out with and as we're talking our buzzers go off both of our buzzers go off at the same time and I was like oh well you know enjoy your dinner you know he goes oh are you going to dinner too I'm like yeah we're you know we're just coming inside me and my dad and he's like oh why don't you guys join us? I mean, there's plenty of room. Come and join us for dinner. And it was like one of those minutes where I was just like, wait, what? My idol in this industry, the probably the, the guy in the industry is asking me, he just met me. He's asking me to join him for dinner. Me and my dad. And I looked at my dad and my dad kind of shrugged his shoulders and is like, no, no, I won't take no for an answer. You guys come and join us for dinner. There's plenty of room, you know, hang out with the crew. You know, it, it, it's always good to meet good people. And I was just like, all right. So, so we went in and had a nice long dinner and it was like I said, it was like divine inspiration put us together. And from that moment, I mean, Ed and I, and, and his, his crew back at Puckerbutt have been just really close. Uh, I spent years working the booths with them out here at the California hot sauce expo up in Portland and, and some of the shows, you know, the national Fiery food show the next year. And, you know, talk about a mentor, you know, we, yeah, he was, he was one of those guys. It's like, if there's anything you want to know, you you just ask and I'm happy to help you in any way that I can. You know, there's plenty of room for good people out there and and good sauce and more people who are successful. It's better for all of us. So, you know, with that mentality of giving and sharing and, you know, all, all ships rise, rise or fall together, you know, he was, he was paramount in, in, Giving me the 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 tools I needed to really launch uh, uh, you know my company, which you know I got to that point where I was like, well, I've been working with you for a few years now. Ed, he's like, yeah, man, you you need to open your own company and work on your own. <laughs> he's yeah. kind of like kicking me out of the cradle, as it were, you know. And and um, he's like, just you know, he he's like, look, either one of two things are happening: one, you'll be successful; two you'll fail and you do something else, you know, what's wrong with either of those scenarios? And I was like, well, really, nothing. He was like, well, you know, you've got the tools, you've got the knowledge and you've got the passion and you've got, you know, a friend in me to be able, you know, to, to give you the insight of going through this, you know, somebody has gone ahead of you through this. And it was really, um, yeah, it still is to this day, every day that I talk to Ed, you know, it's, it's another, Uh, step in the right direction I feel for for our company and it's truly been just an amazing relationship that I built with him and and his partners and and his family you know it's I cherish it like it was my own
0: awesome yeah no I I I had a last year that I had a chance to talk to him on the podcast and uh, I I I did feel kind of like that buzz just after talking to him just about po- like positivity in life and just being nice to other people and, and always welcoming and, and i think mm-hmm. every single person that i've talked to is just speaks about how open he is and and i think it, it's the craft hot sauce community is is such uh an open and close group and, and i think it a lot of it can be attributed to him and kind of the good vibes that he shared with others that kind of as you said kind of uh, bring bring up the uh the tides um and it sounds like so you grow your grow some of your own peppers is that right is yeah
1: that- so i um uh when we moved out to california i'll give you the my path down this road
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um so i've always been a farmer or gardener i should say my mom comes from a long line of agricultural uh family in michigan and she instilled in me uh, as a very young age of the importance of growing you know growing vegetables and growing uh you know things that you can consume yourself Mm -hmm. not only from a cost standpoint but from a health standpoint so i've always had a garden in some shape or form be it you know a square foot garden or a row garden or something you know wherever i was able to get some dirt i had something growing and that was even in my college dormitory room in the closet. You know, we won't go too far into that, but uh, I always have had something growing uh, uh, near me. And I mean, I even studied plant biology uh, as a major in in college. So it was kind of, it it kind of took me down that path uh, as far as my scientific inquisitiveness. you know, I tried to do pre-med, but I couldn't handle the chemistry. It was too theoretical for me. I couldn't see it. I couldn't get my hands dirty. I couldn't, you know, it, it wasn't as visceral for me as biology was. So, um, you know, when, when my wife and family and I moved to, to California, uh, about a dozen years ago, it was one of those things where I was just, you know, jumping up and down. I was so excited because I could grow something all year long. I wouldn't have to worry about the cold Midwest winters. You know, I could have crops in a garden year round and it was incredible. And that first Christmas, I'll never forget my brother, uh, was still back in New York at the time, sent me a birthday present. That was a little box that had, um, uh, I think it was 50 different seeds the 50 different varieties of pepper seeds so uh, and at that point I just uh, started up a community garden at my church and I had plenty of room to grow and so I planted I think four of each type and you can imagine how many plants is you know four times 50 is yeah. 200 plants and I was just like oh you know I'll get some peppers and this will be great and I'll get to you know and he got me everything from like a jalapeno all the way up to a ghost chili So uh, I was really excited, of course, by the spicy ones. The Devil's Tongue, the Fatale, the Ghost Chili, the the Habaneros. Those are the ones I was really excited about. Tabasco peppers. Did you know a
0: lot about peppers at this point?
1: I mean, I knew, uh, you know, I'd grown jalapenos and Mm -hmm. habaneros before. I'd been eating peppers. And at that point, I thought the habanero was about the the hottest thing I could eat. And I mean, I've had Dave's Insanity sauce before that, which being an extract sauce was certainly on the higher end of the heat scale, but nothing like uh, really, really in depth knowledge of growing uh, mm-hmm. a crop. It was more of a one-off plant here and there just as part of a garden. And if it did good, great. If not, oh, a big deal. But now it was like, okay, I, I have to kind of shift my mindset as now I'm growing all these peppers. Okay. what What's the best way to grow a pepper? And Yeah. so I went online and found all these chat rooms and sites and, you know, this is long before I met Ed and and really kind of dug into my textbooks and talked with my, you know, past, uh, professors about, you know, specific growing. They gave me access to some, you know, primary research articles in the scientific world and, and agricultural stuff. And I found my way into some agricultural sites and then somebody gave me a textbook on, uh, uh, pepper cropping you know how to manage pepper crops and then I found some other authors out there and and you know it's one of those things where I I've always been that person when I get interested in in a specific topic I I really don't hold back I try and do as much Mm -hmm. research and kind of get as much knowledge as I can about that specific topic before you know as I'm doing it and and leading up to it so I kind of got into growing all these peppers and, you know, it was basically a dare again from my brother. He's like, I dare you to grow all these peppers. (laughs) All right. So I grew all the peppers and, you know, some did pretty well. Some didn't do so well. And I really liked some and some were a real pain in the butt. And I really didn't enjoy them as much. Like growing a bird's eye pepper is, Mm. you know, they're, they're beautiful bush, but harvesting enough bird's eye peppers to make anything is probably the most tedious it's like picking you know it's like picking pieces of lint off of a sweater you know there's so many things that you have to grab and and pick but they're so tiny that you've got to spend like two hours on a bush to get enough to do anything you know Tabasco the same way you know they're tiny little peppers and and you know if you're not smart and don't have gloves and you start picking Tabasco peppers when they're ripe you know you pull off the pepper and you start getting the juice all over your hands. It's, it's, it's not pleasant. Yeah. So uh-huh.
0: you had some pain along the way. I can, I oh, go. sure.
1: There's always a learning curve when it comes yeah. to spicy, you know, I'm sure that everybody out there can attest to the time they were prepping jalapenos and they wiped their eyes or they went to the bathroom or this or that, you know, <laughs> uh, it, 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 as a pepper farmer, you know, you kind of, you, you just kind of get used to it. It feels more like tiger balm or icy hot or something anymore. Uh, and you just kind of move forward and you kind of look, you know, it's kind of like eating a pepper. You kind of look for that burning.
0: Yeah.
1: But that was, you know, that was kind of the start down the path was, was that, that present for my brother and the dare. And then I, each successive summer, I got more and more uh, land to grow on and I got more and more focused on specific peppers Um, you know, after that first year I did the ghost chili and I had my first fresh piece of ghost chili and I thought the world had shifted because now I knew what icy or hot was, you know, I, I, I knew what spicy meant, you know, it was like going from a habanero to the ghost chili is, is a pretty big leap. And, you know, as soon as I came down off of that first, that first pepper high, I was like, Oh my God, is there anything hotter than this? And of course lo and behold there are so you know i got into some scorpions and i got into some you know some other crosses and you know i got into the reaper you know i the first time i ever heard a pucker i was looking for carolina reaper seeds and i found ed curry is the the founder and you know creator of the the seed so my first order for pucker butt or for reaper seeds was, was from the founder himself you know pucker butt i get it from the source and I grew those out and I had my first bite of a reaper. And I was like, I, you know, it was at that point I kind of knew that that my path was going down this road. And um, when I had my first harvest of reapers and got it, got into making, making uh, uh, sauces, it was like, game over, man. This is, this is what <laughs> I'm all about. And every waking moment, I was still working at the time, every waking moment I had outside of the job, I was at the garden or at the stove, you know, making sauces or playing with the plants.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that happens with a lot of folks that that have their own hot sauce company full-time now is that it, it was a hobby. They started building, getting mo- momentum, but I feel like everyone that's been successful has really felt like a pull and a drive and just a desire to, to really build something and when did you kind of decide to go that full time and and what were some of those feelings?
1: Well, one of the last quote unquote real jobs I had, uh, I was working for a restaurant chain out here and uh, they got to know me as the pepper guy because I was the guy that was bringing in ghost chilies and scorpion peppers and putting it on everything and bringing in Mm -hmm. bottles of sauce. And, and uh, you know, at that point when, most of my days and conversations revolved around peppers. I kind of had it in the back of my head. I was like, okay, if I get this thing started, there's no going back. You know, I think I'm going to be in this for, for the win. And uh, after I left that job, I, I took another just kind of job out of, uh, I guess, desperation, if you, if you will. Um, and it didn't work out. It was the wrong situation and, and it, it, it wasn't, the direction i wanted to go and the reason i took the job were probably not the best reasons uh but after a year or so of doing that it was it, it, you know i was full bore on my hot sauce life i mean that's what really consumed me and to say you know it was a hobby yeah i mean a lot of guys will say yeah it was a hobby and my friends told me I should sell it. So I started selling it and this and that, you know, I never really, I mean, I gave it away. I never, I, I couldn't envision selling it until it was legal. You know, I, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, cause working in the food industry, you, you oh, see yeah. all of the, the bad stories of yeah. food poisoning and, and all these horrible things. So coming from a food background, I knew that I needed to get my ducks in a row before I started spreading it out more than just the people in my immediate Especially circle, in
0: California.
1: Oh, and California is the hot, you know, is the most regulated state in the union when it yeah. comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, I, you kind of made
0: the, the commitment to lift this off, make it a, Legitimates FDA certified hot sauces, and what were some of your first sauces?
1: Gosh, I think the first one that I was kind of proud of, I called it Dragon Spit, and it was basically nice. uh, it was basically a mix of ghost chilies and Carolina Reapers, and I think a little bit of onion and garlic and vinegar, and that was it. It was basically I just want to make the spiciest thing that I could con- concoct and still be like tasty. Um, cause that's always been my focus is if it doesn't taste good, why would you want to eat it in the first place? Yeah. Uh, the heat should be secondary when it comes to a hot sauce because the sauces are there to augment the food that you're already consuming unless you're one of those crazy people. And there's plenty of them out there that, you know, are doing spoonfuls of sauce just because, you know, they're testing their strength or, you know, whatever it is they want to do it for. Um, uh, you know, and I'm right up in there in that insane category. Don't get me wrong on on my pepper consumption, but, uh, the base of it, you know, always comes back to flavor. And, and so some of the first ones I did, you know, I was playing around with carrots. I was playing around with different fruits. I was playing around with, I did like a a, a raw turmeric one, which was really weird. That's my dog in the background. And, uh, and, uh, I called that one flaming frass, <laughs> you know, too nice. many damn caterpillars out there. I called it flaming <laughs> caterpillar shit. Um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, just kind of that time of, uh, exploration, you know, of, of, okay, what are, what sauces are out there in the market and how can I put my twist on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what sauces aren't there in the market that might be a lot of fun to make and be really enjoyable. And, uh, so ultimately before I even launched the company, I had, I had developed, uh, roughly about three dozen different recipes, some that I'd taken to full development and say, yeah, I'd put a label on this and call it good. Others, you know, after one or two batches, you're just like, yeah, I don't see this going anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, so you, you get some wins, you get some losses and, you know, as, as any hot sauce maker out there, uh, in you know, on the craft maker side, who are legitimate. It's really about trying to find something that's unique and new and, 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 uh, flavorful and hot and, you know, not too hot, not too flavor. You know, I mean, there's that weird kind of balance you got to get to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, one of the things that said to me early on was like, you've got, you know, two dozen viable sauces, you know, it's, are you going to launch a company with 24 SKUs or are you going right. to launch a company with five? And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, like these 24 sauces are really good. You've said so. And like, yeah, but you know, as a new company, are you going to be able to go into a grocery store and say, buy 24 of my sauces or a customer walks up to your booth at the farmer's market and says, buy my 24 sauces, you know, or are you going to have, a limited amount that you can grow from and uh, so I took another page out of Ed's book and I said okay I, I, I selected four we launched with four sauces and uh, just brought another one on a couple years ago and just about to put out another couple more sauces here in the next few months and it's you know it's kind of one of those things where it's you know how do you choose your favorite child and it yeah. really is okay you gotta you gotta figure you want something that everybody can who walks up to the booth has a chance of walking away with something from the mildest palate to the spiciest mm-hmm. palate, you know, and, and everything in between. Yeah. So that,
0: I think it, there's going to be something, somebody that wants that when, when you're focusing on flavor first and obviously mm-hmm. got the wide range of, of heat. And I know you can handle the heat. Uh, that was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how I first heard about you, I, I, uh, I don't think I, I don't know if you were in, uh, if I was there when, when you were in New York, but I uh, you are, I don't know if you, if you still currently hold the record or not,
1: but. I, I do, I am the current world record holder for eating the most Carolina Reaper peppers in one minute. I did 120 grams November 16, 2016, was 22 peppers, and uh, we've tried four times a year since then to wow. beat my record. The closest I come, came, I think, was 111 or 112 grams in Chicago last year. And uh, yeah, it's. I thought it'd be it'd be easy to break my own record. Man, <laughs> was I wrong?
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I'm actually I'm I'm curious what your mindset is because I, I I was a uh, I'm not saying that because I was a rower in college that I know anything what that would be like. But when, when I was rowing, it's pretty much, it's six minutes and you, you try to have as much pain as you can before you pass out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And before the race starts, you're thinking, okay, this is really gonna suck. But I'm just like, it's, it's like they're going three, two, one, and then you just go. It's um, all up, yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm curious, like what, what's going through your mind in like that 10 seconds before, and then when, and then I, I'd imagine it's just a, a journey and a, a, something, a crazy experience <laughs> you're about to go on, but do things go through your mind before then?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, that's a great question. And I'll be honest, I hear it daily. And uh-huh. the, the thing is, is I don't mind answering it because people are interested. And I think that's really cool. Um, and growing up as a kid, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners and you have too, you grew up reading that Guinness book, of world's record thinking, Oh my God, these people are crazy. I could never do anything like this. I'll never be in this book. And if I was man, what would it be for? Right? (laughs) So I'll be perfectly honest. Mindset over, over the different competitions has, has evolved. Um, you know, the first time I tried it was in Portland, I think it was the first or second Portland show. And um, of course it was through the cajoling of Ed Curry and Steve Seabury, the, the the owner and proprietor of High River Sauces and the guy who puts on all these hot sauce shows. Uh, they're like, oh, if anybody can do this, you can do it. And I was like, I see how these guys are suffering uh, backstage after they do these competitions, the last thing I want to do is put myself through something like that. I don't want to be back there for two hours vomiting and cramping and just miserable. I mean, look at those guys. There's You're laughing at them because they're in so much pain. Ed was like, look, Greg, if anybody can A, eat as fast as I've seen you eat, and B, handle the heat any better, I'd like to meet them because knowing you, you, know, you might suffer for a half an hour, but you know how to deal with you know, taking care of that. And he's like, you, you know, all the tricks, not that they're tricks, but you, yeah. you know, the food science really well, uh, about how to calm down the heat. And, uh, so the first time I went through it, I, I you know, you don't know what to expect. Or how hot is it going to be? How fast do I have to eat? Can I eat that fast? And, you know, the, the mechanics aren't really in place and the mindset isn't really in place. So that first one, that first show, I think I did maybe 60 grams or something like that. And I just remember, you know, having to sit down afterwards because I was high as a kite and just, you know, just like, oh my God, this is incredible. Um, But I didn't know, you know, a pregame. I didn't know a postgame. I didn't know anything about what, what I was doing. And so the second one, the one where I actually took the record was in Arizona. And I had a better understanding of what I was up against and uh so i i had kind of planned a, a pregame a little better of of you know doing a little bit of meditation and, and kind of blocking out um uh the mind from the body and you know i mean uh, when i was playing football i worked a lot on that as well with the pain of, of you know injury and exhaustion and soreness of just you know you got to get out there you got to do it you got to get up you can't stop and and just kind of going back to that kind of mental state of separating my mind and body well that was all well and good and i did really well somehow on eating all those peppers and i took the record the only problem was in arizona i hadn't perfected the post post game plan and i suffered Uh, for a good I mean I it was so bad I mean I sweated through my pants and some of the pictures it looks like I I peed myself and you know I hadn't vomited and I you know I was cramping up really bad and and I was just miserable um, miserable Um, and then uh, so I had to figure out how to work the exit strategy and each year another piece of the puzzle has gotten better and better the only thing is, is, is the actual consumption. You know, I practice speed eating peppers and stuff. Uh, but it's a lot different to do it in your kitchen under a minute right. than it is to do it in front of 5,000 people on a stage with everybody, you know, pumping you up for yeah. the whole weekend. Are you going to do it? Are you going to beat it? Are you going to take it? Is it this? and it, You know, so you kind of get inside your head, uh, uh, as it is anyways. And I think the people who have the best, advantage of the people who don't have people coming up to them 30 times an hour saying you know oh you're gonna be your record da, da, da. you know you don't have that kind of anxiety kind of forced upon you um the last few competitions i didn't let that stuff get to me i kind of you know just went with the flow and made it more entertaining uh for them and and, and thought about their experience rather than how it's affecting me and that's kind of helped me get up onto the stage and be ready for it um And, uh, you know, now at this point it's, you know, I gotta do some meditation to get to that mental state. When I get up on stage, it's you know you can kind of see me pacing around and, and trying to zone in only on the chilies the only person i'm really listening to is is the guinness book of worlds record adjudicator you know they're asking me if i'm ready and i will only go when i'm ready you know i don't let anybody push me around in fact i can't even hear them i don't pay attention to the crowd by the time i'm in front of the bowl of chilies i don't even see or hear the crowd all i see is the chilies and at that point i'm starting to think about mechanics yeah you know how do I pick it up, put it in my mouth, how do I chew it? I'm trying to test some of the peppers to see how firm they are, how big they are, and kind of game planning in the, in the few moments that I have before he says, three, two, one, go. And then uh, after I hear that go, it, it everything kind of goes into slow motion. It really does. And it, it, my focus now is on my mouth of uh, placement of the actual pod you know, did I bite it correctly? Did I move it to the right side of the mouth to chew while I put another one in? And do I have enough in my mouth that I can load onto my tongue and swallow? Do I have, you know, all those things. And the pain really doesn't, really doesn't come at me. The only thing that I have to contend with is the first one or two chilies that go in. Uh, Your body has just a natural gag reflex to Mm -hmm. it because it doesn't want that to go down Right. The whole, right? So if I can conquer that gag reflex up front, then I know that I'm, I've got a, a good shot. Um, and then it's just about filling the mouth and swallowing and filling the mouth and swallowing. And uh, it isn't until about uh, halfway through the second minute that I have to stand there after consuming you know, without milk, without any quenching, without, you know, vomiting or anything, I have to stand there for another minute and take the pain. It isn't until about half, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds into that second minute that I actually kind of snap to. And then the rush of spiciness and pain just kind of is overwhelming and you know i, I probably go ashen face my eyes are all buggy i'm probably breaking a sweat i'm not really thinking all i can think about is tell me that 60 seconds is over so i can chug yeah. a gallon of milk and get to the back of the stage and,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and take care of business uh, yeah a
0: video right before this so we'll, we'll be sure to link to that but uh that's it, really cool having that uh that background on uh, what, what's going through your mind and, and all the training and, and experience behind that. That's cool.
1: And everybody, you know, it's funny because everybody these days, you know, in the chili groups on Facebook and everything is like, oh, you know, so and so is going to take your record. How's that make you feel? I'm like, if they can take the record, man, they deserve it. Yeah. It's not easy. It is not easy. You know, I mean, anybody who's ballsy enough to get up on stage for those competitions and eat more than one or two reapers at a time you know they should be commended for their efforts maybe you know scolded for their insanity but but at the same time it, it it's not an experience i would uh, y- you know wish on even my worst enemy if if you're not prepared for it i mean i get the question all the time backstage before the competitions you know what's your best piece of advice what what should i do how you know blah, blah. and i'm like usually my best piece of advice is is run don't do this <laughs> You do not want to go through what you're about to go through. Trust me, you know, unless you've done this before, which you obviously haven't run, don't do it.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that makes them feel good after they've had 10 people that uh, tell them, you're going to do this. You got to do this.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, (laughs) the ones that crack me up the most are the ones that, you know, are half half in the bag drunk. They've been drinking beer all day yeah. out in the sun. Their buddies have been like, Oh, you should go do it. Nah, nah, nah. And then we're backstage and you know the the Guinness book adjudicator is back there going over the release that we sign and you know it goes into using your image and you know, this and that and and the guys who put up a fight about, well, I'm not signing away my image. I need my lawyer to look at this. And I just turned to him. I go, look, pal, you're not going to win the record anyway. So there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. You know, you're not going to give up your soul here. The only thing you're going to give up is two hours of absolute excruciating pain.
0: <laughs> oh man, that, uh, that's great. Thanks for sharing that, Greg.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Just a, a couple last questions. I, I know uh, you've got a lot going on. Curious like as you continue growing and and uh, building out in fair farms, what is your your kind of mission or vision or kind of why like
1: you know my mission that I kind of laid out for the company was to ignite the palates, ignite the palates of the world and open your mind to new realms of perception around your food meaning I want the people who try my sauces, who eat my sauces, or frankly anything spicy for that matter, to understand that you know enjoyment of food is is very easy to overlook when we're in a fast-paced world of consumption, and uh, if if we're able to provide a product, a sauce, a flavor that enhances that enjoyment. Um, that opens your mind to new ways of 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 experiencing your food you know spicy food does that it allows you to uh, see into another realm of cuisine that you might not have otherwise been able to uh, draw the courage up to to try and uh, you know what what I always what always gives me the best feeling at the markets or any of the retail opportunities that we have is when you see a face again and again telling you how much they love their sauce and how they eat it on everything and you know and it's not just about my sauce but you know you've changed my world on you know I've tried all these new sauces and there are a lot of great hot sauce makers out there. There really are, you know, I mean, uh, not, not everyone's a winner, but there are a lot of really good sauces out there. And I'm not going to sit here and say that mine, uh, you know, are the best sauces in the world or the most unique in the world, but you know, we try and do a little twist and we try to hold our own. And I just want to be considered, you know, in that upper echelon of the quality sauce makers out there. And that's what drives me to put, put out good, Food, you know, good sauces. is good pairing. It's something that works with the food rather than takes away. You know, I want to enhance people's enjoyment rather than regret them putting a drop of sauce on their plate. And there are sauces out there that make you do that. You know, and there is a market for novelty sauces. And I'm not going to sit here and badmouth novelty sauces. But but that's not the realm that we play in. You know, I, I like I said earlier. You know, my world has been focused around flavor and uh, for a good significant portion of my life. And that's kind of where I drive my company is bringing in sauces that, that are flavorful and fun and and unique and tasty and, and something that you want to come back to time and time again.
0: Love that. I love that. That's awesome. Thanks, Greg. Um, cool. Well, I guess, um, as we wrap up, I'm, I'm curious, uh, where can people find you are you going to be at any of the the expos um,
1: yeah we're we are part of the you know i forget what what steve calls it but i I attend all of steve's steve uh shows the the new york show in april we've got uh chicago coming up uh the last weekend in june we got portland coming up in august uh the california show as far as i know is still in limbo but i heard rumor that it's gonna be in October Uh, I now locked in to the National Fiery Food Show in Albuquerque next March usually the first weekend in March Um, we are here in San Diego I do a couple farmers markets religiously every week here in San Diego nice Uh, our retail presence uh, is centered mostly around Southern California San Diego County Orange County uh, there are a few locations out of state that have picked us up for one, uh, reason or another. And of course you can always find us on our website, which is inferno And, uh, if you sign up for our mailing list, I try to send out at least once a month, you know, specials and discounts and stuff like that for, for the local father, fo- the, the loyal followers. So, um, and then Instagram, uh, I put my stuff out there, you know. Pro, uh, uh, progress on the pepper farm and new product development you know I have a couple things that I do very limited that I only sell at, at, at the markets um that I'll release uh you know via Instagram just to keep everybody informed uh so yeah you know we're trying to to go at it you, you know a uh, little more than a one-man show but uh you know, as as a company that's trying to organically grow and build a local following and get, you know, the word out there, I don't have any visions of being Tabasco in the next six months um, or Cholula for that matter as, as far as market share. Um, but you never know what the world can bring, you know. I mean, there are guys out there that have, have had really good financial backing and have been able to make approaches to certain retail outlets that are kind of off limits to the smaller guys until we have a little more established so we are in the process of establishing that that following and that and that market reach and we're, we're growing a little bit every day and my dog right there she wants uh, her lunch
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was about to say it sounds like you got a A hungry or a curious fan in the background, but uh, no, I I think that that's awesome, and um, I I really appreciate you taking some of your time to kind of give back, uh, sharing more about your story to uh, our listeners and followers. And
1: hey, of course, you know, I, I try not to be, you know, too steeped in my ego about about that record or what I'm doing as a company. I really, you know, at the end of the day, the reason I continue to participate in the Reaper eating contest. As I've told Steve many times is I want to put on a good show. I want to, I want to give to the people who make us, uh, able to be here. I want to give them what it is they're looking for excitement and fun and enjoyment. And, uh, you know, without the hot sauce fans and without the consumers like me and you and everybody listening, you know, we wouldn't be here, you know, it'd just be another, another bottle of ketchup on the table. So, Uh, I think that we've got a great industry that's growing, and, you know, the more we grow together, the better off we're all going to be, and the better our food's going to be.
0: Amen. Amen. I, I, I love that. Thank you, Greg. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast, that episode with Greg Foster from Inferno Farms. Amazing stuff, Greg. I really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to seeing him at the PDX Hot Sauce Expo. And you all should, if you're going, drop me a line on Instagram, Facebook, our email newsletter. I'm thinking about putting together a little meetup to to meet up with as many people as possible. Um, But while you're in... Portland, check out Res Electrics, They're going to be our music guest today. They constantly play gigs in and around the Pacific Northwest and going to be reaching out farther into the West Coast next year. So keep an eye out them uh, because they could be in your town. Um, you can also find them on Instagram and Facebook as well. So thanks for listening. Check out our podcast by subscribing to hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, and while you're at it, might as well have some hot sauces check out our craft hot sauce subscription box where we got craft hot sauces delivered to your door on a monthly or quarterly basis, like Secret Art Bark, like Silly Chili, like Secret Art, oh, I already said that. Uh, we got too many for me to, to, to start rattling off, but hope you all enjoyed that. Have a great day and till next time.